It's almost Halloween, which means if you haven't gotten your costume sorted out yet, you'll need to get on it super quick. And that usually means long lines and high prices for whatever costumes just happen to be left on the shelves. You can always get a t-shirt and write the Error 404 message on it, but that's been done. So, to get a few ideas that use equipment you can find in your shop, we invited Eric Gunnar Rochow, who you might remember as the Garden Fork TV guy who taught us to cook beans in a hole, to take a look around his workshop and come up with a few ideas, then come in and tell us on the podcast. After that, Roy explains tactics for combating common Halloween tricks, Matt Allen gives us marathon training tips, and we check in on our preserved pumpkins from last week, and you will not believe which one wins. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and if you're not ready yet to have the spookiest Halloween ever, don't despair. The most useful podcast ever is right behind you. No, really, we're right behind you. Right behind you. So it's almost Halloween, which means if you haven't gotten your Halloween costume together yet, you are in a bit of a bind. And for that, we got Eric Rochow, who's one of our guests who's been on here before uh, from Garden Fork TV to come back. And you brought props. What did you bring? It sounds like duct tape. Duct tape. <laughs> also, I can see that it's duct tape. but <laughs> Duct tape solves everything. Oh, man. Yeah, I wanted to ask you because, you know, there's a lot of things that you can make out of household materials. You can look online to figure out what you could make last minute if, like, you got a Halloween party that night and you got to go or you got to dress up the kids or something like that. But I figured since you are, like, an outdoorsy kind of DIY guy, you would know some that would use stuff from the workshop. So I thought, who better to ask? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, what are you going as for Halloween? You know, I usually dress as a mechanic. Oh, that's a good idea. Because I have all the parts. <laughs> I just put on my coveralls. <laughs> we were talking about this briefly before you came in, and uh, you were like, you know, you should dress up as Roy, which I think would be hilarious, which I could just describe. Roy pretty much just wears a button-down shirt and jeans and a pair of safety glasses. And he's a little bald, but, like, yeah. you, know, you just be like, <laughs> so I'm, am I, so. <laughs> just put, put an Ask Roy placard on your shirt and you're good to go. I've never met Roy, but I just envision he's Mr. Safety. He is. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Just, like, go super safe and you can be Roy Berenson for Popular Mechanics. So what's the duct tape for? Well, I can't say I invented these ideas, but I modified them. So I was in the shop and I thought, what could you whip up? And I thought if you wore a long sleeve shirt and long pants and then wrap the sleeves and the pants and your torso with duct tape, you could go as kind of a duct tape robot. I think that'd be great, actually, a duct tape. You get a box, too, and put it on your head. I'm sure you got some wire laying around or coat hangers or hinges or maybe some printed circuit boards or even some LEDs if you wanted to put like an Adafruit, like an Arduino kind oh, of rig mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. And then you could have like, you know, electronic clothing. Yeah. I mean, my whole mantra is done is better than perfect. And I think people will appreciate you even trying uh-huh. rather than not showing up in a costume. So wear long sleeves, wear a Tyvek suit and wrap it in duct tape. Although to be fair, if you got a Tyvek suit, you're already halfway to a costume. <laughs> yeah. like a, as like some sort of biohazard guy. Or a member of Devo. You know? Yeah, oh, that's a good one too. And then another one I had an idea of, which is a riff on the duct tape. It doesn't make a nice noise for the microphone, unfortunately. But this is drywall mesh tape, which is oh. what you use to join the seams of two pieces of drywall on your wall. And then you put the mud across that. Okay. It bridges the gap between the seam. It looks a lot like gauze. It does. And what are wrapped up in gauze that you see a lot of costumes? That would be mummies. Yeah. So (laughs) you all have mesh tape laying around in your shop. It's hanging up in one of the rafters on a nail from your last job. So just again, if you wore, I think, a white or gray long sleeve or the Tyvek again and wrap yourself in this mesh tape, 
you could look like a mummy. That'd be pretty good. You know what one I actually saw? I guess it's not really something you'd have in your garage so much, but it's kind of stuff that you'd have at least in your like utility room or like, you know, your like coat room, uh-huh. which I thought was a, such an awesome idea is you can go as an octopus if you have an umbrella. So you take an umbrella, you take some socks and some old newspaper. You got to get the umbrella and the socks to be the same color. So if you got like blue socks, blue umbrella, you take the socks, you stuff the newspaper in them, you get eight socks, obviously, big big tall socks and then you put them all around the inside of the umbrella so then you hold up the umbrella behind you and that's like the head of it and then the legs like stick out of it (laughs) and you can put little cotton balls like evenly spaced so it looks like little octopus legs with your hot glue gun yeah if you have a hot glue gun or you could probably just glue them on there with regular i maybe hot glue gun smarter that's a tool of choice for yeah for halloween Halloween. costumes i've actually thought to myself that i need to get a hot glue gun pretty much only for halloween I love that one because you would either be a Halloween costume or an extra in a Lady Gaga video. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little surrealist. Like, you can look it up online and see how people do it. But, you know, it might work out. And even if it doesn't, you look weird. If you spoke in a French accent, you'd get away with it. (laughs) So what else? Anything else that you... Another one. I saw it online. I didn't invent it. But if you go to the home improvement store and buy an oversized cardboard box, the kind that you could cut a hole for your head and your arms, Mm -hmm. all right, and you could wear it like a big vest or something... First, go and get some of those chinette bowls that they use at picnics. They're kind of papery Mm -hmm. for like your cold pasta salad. Get eight of those and put it across the front. Paint it all bright yellow or bright red and you go as a Lego block. Oh, that's a good idea. And then if you could have a bunch of friends do that too. And you could all be different Lego blocks. And if you could wear a red shirt or whatever color Lego you are, wear the same color clothing and a hat. And even if you want to put red makeup on then, you know, like red face paint. That's a good one. You know what one of the best group costumes I ever saw was? Was a bunch of Tetris blocks. Oh, yeah. They were so good, too. They had just, like, put a bunch of boxes together and glued them together, and they made themselves into the L and the square. And then whenever they were out in the street, they would jump on each other and try to make little Tetris So, things. like, performance Tetris art. Yeah, yeah, it was a little performance already, but it was pretty amazing. I think there's five of those, too. You know, as long as you're having fun, then what the heck, you know? It's awesome. I love a good Halloween costume. I'm going as a reverse mermaid this year. Have you been to a New York City Halloween parade? I have. It's good. It's a good one. So I'm going as a reverse mermaid. The top of me is a fish and then the bottom's legs. (laughs) Will you post this on Twitter or something? I probably will. I should do that. But yeah, no, these are some great ideas. I got an email and all of a sudden my mind started racing. I was running electric on a job, which can be really mind numbing. And I was (laughs) like, what could I do? That's kind of like the thought process I think people get into like right before Halloween as you're like walking around your apartment and you're like, what can I, what can I make? What can I make? We had an art director here a couple years ago who was like pretty resourceful with Halloween costumes. He made a bone. He went as like a caveman, made a bone out of ping pong balls and a paper towel roll. So you take the paper towel roll, you tape the two ping pong balls on either side so it looks like a bone and then you spray I guess he used masking tape for the whole thing right because that's the right color Mm -hmm. and then that was it he basically had a bone it looked like a really good stunt bone so awesome well these are some great ideas and good luck with your Halloween costume What day is the New York Marathon? Is that soon? It's November 5th, coming right up. Okay, and you're doing it? I am. It'll be my third New York Marathon. Oh, my God. How do you even get into all of them? I am a member of the media. and uh, <laughs> Oh, sneaky. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. I've heard that you can do like a nine plus one thing. Yeah. Or something. I have uh, friends that do that, that also work in media. That is a lot of races. It's running nine New York Roadrunner races and then volunteering at one. I am on the Michelob Ultra team this year, though. Oh. Yes. So are you like, are you fast? Are you like a fast marathoner? I am almost Boston qualifying fast. Oh, wow. Just a few minutes down from that. Okay. So you're a pretty impressive marathoner. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about some marathon 
marathon tips. I mean, I don't even know what to ask. I do run, but I've never run anything more than a half marathon. So this will be my seventh marathon, and I definitely learn something every single time I do one. And, you know, being like a real adult now with like a job and responsibilities, you don't have necessarily the time always to like get out and do 50-mile weeks. So I'd say the first thing in your training is just pick your priorities in your runs. And so like make sure you do your long run, basically, and move your schedule around that. Don't worry about the little runs. Don't sweat those guys. Just try to get like your long runs and your hard runs in. Okay. If you only run three days a week, but they're all like quality runs, you'll be fine. Okay. So yeah, what is standard? What's ideal if you're going to try to train for a marathon? Five to six days around 50 miles for like a more advanced runner. Okay. You know, if you're new to marathons, you'll probably still be doing 30 to 40 miles, but you'll also be like taking walking breaks and that sort of thing. Okay. If you're new to marathoning, a lot of it is just about getting the time on your feet. Just right. Just getting your body used to moving for hours and hours. Right. Yeah, that's always been the challenge for me. I've always been kind of like a, eh, like I like to run. Mm-hmm. I like to run about, I run about three days a week and I do a combination of like three to six miles generally. Mm-hmm. And then if I train for a half marathon, I put in a long run and that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> well, you know, I've talked to a lot of pros over the years. The big thing they say for people like us, us mortals, is whatever you do, you should be having fun. Uh-huh. If you take your training so seriously that it's like, you know, really affecting your life and you're not having a good time and you're not enjoying the run, you're doing it wrong. Right. Okay. That makes sense. What about day of? Ooh, I mean, most marathons you're going to end up wake up at like 4 or 5 a.m. So it'll help a little bit if the week coming up to it, you can sort of get your body used to falling asleep early just oh, so you get a few more idea. hours of sleep. But as long as you have good sleep, the days like running up to it, you'll probably be in good shape. One thing I try to remember to bring to the start line is a tube of body glide. Even just like stick deodorant works just as well. Mm-hmm. Chafing wise, where do you put your chafing stuff? I have a checklist I always go through in my head because it's really uncomfortable if you miss one. Starting at the bottom, there's no pleasant way to say it, but your genitals. You, you got to <laughs> okay. get some stuff on there. And also between your butt cheeks because they're going to rub. They didn't will think rub. About that. Mm-hmm. I usually do my waistband. Shorts get wet and they rub a little bit. Even just a little bit adds up over a long time. Uh-huh. And then after that, your thighs, of course. Right, yeah. That would be the one I would have thought of. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, your lats. Okay. And not the nipples? Isn't that a thing? Oh, well, you want to tape those. Oh, yeah, okay. So just uh, like surgical and medical tape. And if you've got a hairy chest like me, it just comes off in the shower and you pull the tape off with the grain. Uh, with the grain of the hair? Yeah, with the grain of the hair okay. so you don't get any bald spots. <laughs> that would suck. What about toenail-wise or toe-wise? Do you have anything that you do for that? You should never try anything new on race day, of course. But one thing you want to make sure you're certain of is like which pair of socks you're going to use and which shoes you're going to use. Okay. And so you should have felt it out in long runs. Know it's comfortable. Make sure there isn't like a seam hitting your toes funny. Okay. What about carb loading? The fun part. Yeah, that's not a real thing. Really? Yeah. Ah. You have to be like a really elite athlete for it to really make a dent. You have to also like not eat carbs for a while. So then like when you suddenly flush your system with carbs, mostly if you just stuff yourself with pasta, you're going to start the race feeling kind of (laughs) bloated. Okay. So like the night before, I usually just do something like fish and brown rice. And instead of having like a massive meal, I'm feeling a little sick, just eat often. Okay. And so like, you know, New York Marathon doesn't start until around 10 a.m. And I'm going to have to wake up at like 4.30. So I'll probably have like three breakfasts before Uh it's all right. I mean, you know, I'm a three breakfast sort of guy. Well, I was going to say, you do that pretty much every day. Yeah, it's practice for the marathon. (laughs) All right, what else you got in terms of tips? Uh, Let's see here. So we talked about nipple tape. Very important. (laughs) What happens if you don't nipple tape? They bleed? Yeah, bloody nipples. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty unpleasant. Ow. Of course, one thing people don't think about a lot of times, a quick way to stop having your nipples get worse, take your shirt off. What happens is your shirt is wet and it's rubbing against them. So if you just like take a minute, pin your number under your shorts, take your shirt off, you're fine. Doesn't apply to women, unfortunately. Yeah, it'll still hurt like hell in the shower, but at least for like the rest of the race, you you won't be okay. You're not making it worse. Mm Mm-hmm. 
One other training thing, I have a lot of friends that don't grasp this, is you need to train at your goal race pace. Like I have friends that will be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run like eight-minute miles, and then all of their long runs are slower, and they'll do some speed workouts, but there's nothing sort of in the middle that simulates what they're going to run their race. And your body gets more efficient at running that pace when you practice it in the lead up to the race. Oh, uh-huh. What else do I want to say? Oh, practice eating. I'm a like relatively large runner, and so I'm going to go through maybe 3,000 calories during a marathon. Oh, my God. And so like I'm doing a long run right today. I've already got two Cliff Bars packed, probably stop at a bodega, get a banana get uh, some OJ stuff like that. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, my stomach can't handle it. You just have to train your stomach to handle it. And do you eat consistently throughout the run or do you like wait till you start feeling fatigued and then eat or like halfway or is that different for every runner or what? Yeah, like some people are better going on like no calories. Basically, their body will be better at burning fat. That's sort of an uncomfortable skill to teach your body. Mm -hmm. So I usually just start eating after about an hour. At that point, you've gone through your main glycogen stores and any food that was in your stomach. And I'm eating probably at least a little something every 20 to 30 minutes after that. What else you got? A big thing is if you have friends that are spectating and you're going to look for them, get them to tell you exactly where they're going to be, like down to the side of the street, the cross section. And then again, for after the race, if you're meeting friends and family, pick a very precise spot. Don't just say, I'll meet you at the finish. Finish areas, especially in the big races, are massive. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've actually finished races before and everyone is texting everyone to try to figure out where they are Mm -hmm. and that cell service can be terrible. And then you're like, well, I guess I'll see my brother again next year. I don't know when that'll be. So awesome. Well, good luck, and thanks for telling us all these tips. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, Bad Facts. Bad Facts? Bad Facts. Bad Facts. I got some great bad facts for you guys today. Oh, I'm excited. All right, first up, bats' excrement, called guano, is a very good natural fertilizer because it has a super high concentration of nitrogen and phosphorus. Hmm. So before oil was discovered in Texas, that was Texas's largest mineral export. And wars have been fought over guano. It's bats and birds, but in the mid-1800s, Spain and a Peruvian-Chilean alliance like went to war because they all wanted to get this super awesome fertilizer. Wait, and did they fight over the actual guano or did they fight over the bats? I think it was the territory that the guano was landing on. Oh. But, you know. The Were bat- they aware that you can else. breed bats? Can't you breed bats? Can you? I don't know. Do you know any bat breeders? You must be able to, right? I mean, you can breed most things. Yes. I just feel like there's some like creaking old capitalist who is like, well, you can own the land that the guano's on, but if you own the bats, that's how you make <laughs> the money. That's how you make the money, is you own a bat. Yeah. Yeah. Wars over guano. I just love Texas. I know. <laughs> Texas. We have oil, and we got bat shit. Yeah. <laughs> Another fun bad fact. Bats can fly while they're drunk. So <laughs> this is courtesy of National Geographic. I was say, this is the kind of study that makes Republicans want to defund that NIH or whatever, yeah. National Institute of Sciences. Well, I guess some scientists were like, well, bats eat fruit and sometimes fruit is fermenting and they still eat it. And does that affect their ability to fly? And the answer is no. Oh. They studied bats with a uh, blood alcohol content of more than 0.3%. Excuse oh. me, drunk bats. Very drunk. And they could still, they were maneuvering around these plastic chains that were like set up as an obstacle course. And their echolocation was not impaired at all. Wow. So. Well, I guess that's that makes sense because like, we don't have echolocation. Maybe that's not something that gets impaired. But you would think, because like, when you get the spins, I had kind of assumed that it would be the same thing. Yeah, it still has to have motor skills to fly. How would we know if they get drunk? Do they feel drunk? How do we know? <laughs> Can we know I that? I wonder if they like it. The next study needs to be, do they, they eat like fermented fruit out. or not fermented yeah. fruit? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the only way you'd be able to tell. I feel like I'm having, I don't know if you've heard of this, Thomas Nagel's What Is It Like to Be a Bat? It's like a very famous philosophical yeah. paper on how, yeah. like, you can never know what it's like to be another animal. Yeah. 
Yeah, he used bats as the example because they have echolocation. Nobody knows what that feels like. That's true. Well, those were some great bat facts. I love it. Tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Roy, have you ever been a victim of a trick on Halloween? Oh, yeah. You have? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had my car egged. No way. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't know that. people still did that. Yeah, extra large egg. Yeah, well, I don't know where that kid went grocery shopping. You got to get the full-size bars. That's the only way. <laughs> Otherwise, the kids get mad. Yeah, maybe we weren't generous enough with the, like, the full-size <laughs> bars. We had a dentist on our block that used to give out dental floss. Oh, yeah. He got his house toilet papered a couple times. Yeah, yeah, that's a non-starter, dental, <laughs> dental floss on Halloween. You can't be doing that. No, no, forget it. So we were talking earlier and you were saying that you have some strategies for getting this stuff off your house if that happens to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I ended up speaking with a lady who was a PhD at an agricultural college and in charge of poultry products and like she was a poultry So like expert. a serious egg expert. Oh, I mean, yeah, this, yeah. No, she, this is like this, who you call, I guess. Yeah, this exactly. And her advice was straightforward and simple and right out of the agricultural industry. Eggs are the worst. They're the worst okay. offender. It's a high protein matter. Okay. <laughs> it's a so high people know what they're doing if they're throwing Yeah, yeah. Eggs. I mean, you couldn't invent a more malicious, vandal, happy medium than throwing an egg because it's contained in this shell. Uh-huh. The shell is very abrasive. It hits with a satisfying splat. An egg is... I hate to say it. Aside from being a great food, it's also, unfortunately, a great vandal. Yeah, the vandalism's ideal tool. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, next to the crowbar, you know, (laughs) or or the rock. Well, the key is, because it is protein-rich, you want to avoid warm water. Oh, okay. Fortunately, and this is the good news, eggs, you know, they have high liquid content, which Mm -hmm. means that the sooner you get at the egg, the better, according to this professor. Rinse it off, garden hose, low-pressure Rinse from the bottom of the egg splatter up. Okay. You want the water to strike the bottom of the splatter and form a wet surface so that as the stuff is running down the surface, it's not moving across a dry surface. Oh, and adding more problem than you had in the first place. Correct. So if it's a real bad splatter, multiple eggs. If you live in a vandal crazy area, you know, have your stuff ready to go ahead of time. I know (laughs) it sounds crazy. I lived in a tough town at one point and saw all kinds of crazy stuff, eggs and spray paint, you name it. And so I got kind of used to dealing with this stuff, Uh actually, believe it or not. Eggs also, because they're protein-rich, respond to alkaline, not acidic, cleaners. So you use an alkaline cleaner, and there are many out there. You don't need bleach. You don't need acids. Typical household cleaners tend to the alkaline side of the spectrum, not the acidic side of the spectrum. So an ordinary alkaline household cleaner is typically enough. Don't over-abrade. In most cases, you don't want to scrub. You're going to damage the siding or damage the substrata. So you want to go easy. You take a siding brush, not a deck brush. Deck brushes are coarse and very rough. A siding brush is kind of soft and the bristles are long and gentle and you get your pole if you need to and, you know, garden hose. Just rinse it off. Well, shaking your fist and shouting, damn kids. Exactly. Well, actually, that probably gives them satisfaction. <laughs> I don't know. Pretend you don't care. Though. Pretend you don't care, yeah. So you said don't pressure wash it. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, well, in most cases, it's unnecessary. And also a pressure washer, the whole idea is to get the egg as soon as possible. 
dried egg requires a slightly more aggressive touch, but even there, you run the risk of overdoing it, of damaging the siding. Generally speaking, homeowners should really go easy with pressure washers, egg or no egg. You know, it's easy to etch your siding or take the paint off or take the finish off with a pressure washer. So if the egg is dried, you may have to increase, again, go up in degrees of gentleness, you know, slightly more aggressive action. There you might want to use a little bit of warm water. Once it's dried, you may need a gentle brush scrubbing action and use maybe a higher dose of that alkaline cleaner we were talking about in the water just to provide a little more cleaning action. There's three types of cleaning action. People should know this. Mechanical, which is scrubbing. Chemical, which is alkaline or acidic. And thermal, which is the temperature of the cleaning. Oh, I didn't know that. Depending on what you're cleaning, you're always adjusting those three things. Chemical, thermal, or mechanical. So, and that's how you get egg off your siding? Pretty much. Yeah, that's it. Be vigilant and, you know, just hope they don't graduate from eggs to th- sod throwers. You know, that's, that's... Or spray paint. That'd be... Yeah, spray real. paint is bad. How do you do that if paint is fresh? Well, if it's on your siding there, you may actually need a pressure washer. Okay. Depending on the type of siding, it's pretty difficult to escape completely unscathed. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. You may need to use a stronger solvent. Try a solvent cleaning first things like mineral spirits and so on. But here's the thing. If it's vinyl siding, any solvent of that nature is going to affect the siding. Dissolve your siding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's a plastic. The paint is plastic and the siding is plastic. So there's not an easy solution there. Sometimes it's you got to experiment a little bit and it's probably going to require some pressure washing and uh, an insurance claim. I was say. Yeah, paint is bad. If you really live in a spray paint prone area, there are things you can do like a properly waxed and polished car is more vandal resistant. Even stuff that you use to treat your kitchen floor, these clear coatings, can be applied to vinyl siding unless the vandal is going to take the trouble to get out a ladder or something. Right. You know. So yeah, unfortunately, there's no good answer. Other stuff, it's fairly easy. You know, the toilet paper and so on. Yeah. That's a water dissolvable material. You know, you can hook it out of the tree with poles and sticks or whatever you can lay your hands on, it dissolves. If rain is in the forecast, a lot of it is going to just wash out. Yeah. Do your best. Don't let them have any satisfaction and maybe hand out full-size candy bars next year. So I should say for listeners of the podcast who are recent listeners, Cameron Johnson used to work here at Popular Mechanics and he tried our initial batch of Soylent when it came out, which is... Like two years ago. Two years ago. And Soylent is a... It's like a ready-made meal thing created by a Silicon Valley... Meal drink. Thing is right. It's thing. I think thing is accurate. Thing but it's a liquid. It's not a bar. That's accurate. It is a liquid. It's a liquid thing. So, Cameron, we contacted you because we wanted you to try it again. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. And there were flavors. What were the flavors that you tried this time? There was chocolate, vanilla, coffee, and chai. Okay. And what was the original flavor of, like, the old Soylent? What can you describe what that tasted like? The old flavor was non-flavored neutral. Oh, God. (laughs) The initial thought was they didn't want people to get sick of one flavor over and over, so they just didn't make it a flavor. It actually didn't really taste like anything, because, I mean, I was chugging it to get it over with but the aftertaste was like chalky in your mouth and it kind of tasted like drywall and it was really bad aftertaste oh my god and what's the point of this stuff it is if you work in a job that you're just 
too busy to make food and you've been working for like 12 it's actually it's great for law students like me (laughs) if you just don't have time or you just are a person that doesn't enjoy cooking and you can just replace one of your meals with this drink and it gives you all the nutrients and calories you need Okay, so here's what's in the cafe vanilla version of Soylent. 400 calories, 21 grams of fat, 300 milligrams of sodium, vitamin D, iron, vitamin A, chromium, vitamin K. This is really long. (laughs) Riboflavin, vitamin B6 and 12, choline, iodine, zinc, copper, pentothenic acid. It looks, I mean, it basically reads like a Flintstone vitamin. It's got molybdenum. Most of these vitamins and molybdenum, (laughs) there's 20% of your daily requirement. If they want it to be meal replacement, shouldn't? It'd be 33%. Well, you should have five of these because the average person oh, eats 2,000 2, calories. calories, right? Yeah. So. Initially, when I first tried it, it was you can replace all your meals if you want to, but now it says on the box, not intended to replace every meal, but can replace any meals. Uh, what if they got sued? Some guy ate nothing but Soylent and oh, came down with some God. sort of deficiency. Exactly. So you really hated these the first time around. I seem to remember you quit after about four days. I think I made it over a week. Oh, did you? Okay. (laughs) Well, I remember you being enthusiastically against them on the podcast. What did you think this time now that there's flavors? They were significantly better. The chocolate especially, the vanilla was pretty good too. The chocolate was surprisingly good. Like, I'm not going to keep purchasing them because I don't have money, but like, I would actually buy them. (laughs) You would actually buy them? That is a huge turnaround. Yeah. You should go back and listen to the episode where Cameron talked about drinking these the first time because I think there was retching involved. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was, wow, so that's a huge turnaround. I um, mean, he is a law student now, so that might be impacting his His standards have dropped and their, <laughs> and their quality has he's risen like, and somehow like, they've met in the middle. Yeah. Well, the fact that I can just pull it out of the refrigerator and be done with my food in nine seconds really helps. Do you feel satiated at all after you have it? Yeah, it actually, even though it's only 400 calories, if I have it for lunch, I'm pretty much fine until dinner. I don't really get hungry at any time in between. Okay, wow. well, that's impressive. That's convenient. Yeah. I should say we tasted these the other day, and I think they are really disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I would not purchase these. Yeah, I agree with you that the chocolate is the best yeah, of the new flavors. 100%. With the, I, th- I, I think, think the, the vanilla- chocolate mask what is actually in there. Like, I think it does the best of covering up the whatever it really tastes like. We predicted that coffee was going to be better because we were like, oh, coffee's got a strong flavor. I had high hopes for coffee and it it was not good. Yeah, it was bad. It was like if you made coffee out of like some sticks you found in the woods. Yeah, it's like the coffee in your office. If I remember correctly. <laughs> it actually does taste like that coffee. That's yeah, true. Maybe that's what they're flavoring it with. Yeah. <laughs> with free office coffee. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. We have some now, but do we have to drink it? <laughs> Let's not. I'm going to try and mix the vanilla with the cafe coffee. And see what happens. And see how that is. All right. Here you go. From my recollection, the chai tasted like the milk that's left over when you eat a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch oh that's pretty spot on yeah which i don't know if that's how actual chai tastes i don't no it doesn't not taste like real chai <laughs> okay so cameron if you were going to use soylent to make a highball which flavor and what alcohol what spirit would you mix in with it i would go with vanilla and bourbon oh, oh actually okay <laughs> like, because i mean bourbon already has the notes of vanilla if you've got the good bourbon so i mean it might kind of just mask it a little bit God, it just tastes so bad. Doesn't it taste like cereal milk, though? The vanilla and coffee, I didn't taste it yet, but it actually smells kind of good. Kevin, how's the vanilla and coffee mix? This is actually not bad. Kevin, would you buy these? No, no, of course not. (laughs) Absolutely not. No. Would it, Lara? No. 
Kevin wouldn't buy them because he's the kind of person who makes his own bread, so he's on the opposite end of the spectrum. That's true. Yeah, that's that a good is point. true. The chocolate one was the best, and I've had phases in life where I would have like the Carnation Instant Breakfast if I was busy, which I kind of like. So I could maybe see that one, but I don't remember how bad or not bad it tasted. Although we should say we don't have it in here because somebody else on staff just took it to drink it willfully. So. Yeah, <laughs> which, which Alex, which, oh, George, although it was Alex George, yeah. George. <laughs> Alex did that. Yeah. yeah, he's the kind of audience that this is for it's for tech nerds who have nothing better to do but be on their computers he would be the one to ask would you buy this go grab alex let's ask alex if he'd buy it so we're talking about soylent and we realized that you had taken the best flavor voluntarily because you took the chocolate on friday so yeah we wanted to know did you like it and would you buy it oh yeah i'll preface it by saying my tolerance for kind of synthetic stuff is pretty high Okay. So I guess our conclusion here is if you're the kind of person that bakes your own bread, Soylent is not for you. If you're a law student, the chocolate Soylent may be for you. (laughs) And if you're Alex George, then go ahead. It's definitely for you. Go ahead and buy it. A++. Well, thank you, Cameron, for trying this out. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your box of Soylent. Thank you. I will. I'm definitely actually probably going to use them because it's either that or hook. I'm sorry to say we just made Peter Martin carry some really, really gross pumpkins in here. Yeah, sorry. it was nice of you guys. I brought one. Yeah, you brought the cleanest one and then left the disgusting I brought ones for me. my own pumpkin. You had the grossest application, so you kind of deserved the cleanest carry. So let me fill in everybody on what happened. Two weeks ago, if you listened to our podcast, you heard that we had a professional pumpkin carver come in and help us carve pumpkins for Halloween. And then what we did is we tried his method of preserving them so that they don't get all crumbly and wizened and just... Fall in on themselves. And And then we also tried a few other methods. And the things we tried were lemon juice. That's the one that he preferred. We squeezed a lemon into a spray bottle and sprayed it all over one. And he preferred that because it was all natural. And then we also tried Vaseline, which is just rubbing Vaseline all over it. Yes. And then the last one was a, what was it, a spray adhesive? It was an acrylic spray that Roy had. An acrylic preserving spray that fixed it. We sprayed inside and outside. We didn't read that anywhere. We just thought that (laughs) that 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 would work. Why not? And then we had a control pumpkin because we're scientific here and (laughs) left one pumpkin just natural. We should acknowledge we were very unscientific in that some of the pumpkins have enormous holes in them. Some don't. Lara's pumpkin demolished the others in terms of longevity and standing up to it. But it has smaller, it has just eye holes and nose and kind of a crooked mouth. Mine's kind of a classic jack. Yeah, right. is open in the front. Yours has smaller holes than some of the other pumpkins. Although the professional one doesn't yeah, have cat, that much carving. And it's a lot it's of small totally... Right. So should we go down the line? I think we should go down the line. Well, let's start with yours, Lara. You used what? Vaseline. And it looks, I mean, please go to our Instagram and look at <laughs> it's these pumpkins. amazing. It is incredible, the looks difference. Brand new. It looks fresh as a daisy. It looks like you might have carved it yesterday. And the rest of these pumpkins look absolutely disgusting. <laughs> so I will say Vaseline was definitely the most labor intensive application because I read online about putting Vaseline on your pumpkins and online people were like, oh, just put it on the cut parts of the pumpkin. And I put Vaseline all <laughs> over I the inside of this pumpkin. There's like Vaseline The day she did this, out. we looked at it and we were like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Why would you do that? I mean, basically, you can buy like a baby tub of Vaseline and just like scoop it out with your hands and put it all inside. You put it on the outside as well? Not on the outside, no. But it is all over the interior of the pumpkin on the lid and on the cut parts of it. I read online that the reason why pumpkins deteriorate is because the moisture content comes out of them. Like they lose all their moisture and then that causes everything to collapse. So they feel wetter. The Vaseline barrier just did not let much of that moisture out. 
Right. Yeah, it's like your lips in winter and pumpkins. That's <laughs> and what Vaseline is good for. So maybe we should say the next is uh, the worst pumpkin, which was my pumpkin. Yeah, but that partially, too, you had carved open the entire... Your, your pumpkin was beautiful after it was done. Thank you. Yes. It really isn't now. It's uh, terrible it's, now. Ooh, some of it is that, but also it started to look really bad almost immediately after, after the application. Yeah. Mine was the spray acrylic yeah. or we whatever. sprayed it was. inside and outside. And I, I think what we thought was this is going to put like an impermeable layer on this, and mm-hmm. it's just going to be impervious to weather or anything, yeah. humidity. But I think you put something like that on a vegetable. Like, it probably doesn't like it. It looks like someone pulled their dentures out. Like, you're looking at their mouth without dentures. But it's also got a gross blackness that yeah. the other yeah. ones don't have. For reference, the inside of Jackie's pumpkin looks like you took fake gray fur and glued it to the inside of the pumpkin. Old and curtains. then the, yeah, and then Classic. the pumpkin. Mine is also the only one where half of the lid has totally fallen in. <laughs> it is completely collapsed upon itself. Her pumpkin's like flat. It's just gross. Oh, yeah. So it's been what, one week since we did this? Did we do it last Monday? Yeah. We did. So it's been a week and a day. Okay. And then the cat one had lemon juice sprayed on it. That stayed pretty well for a few days. And now it looks pretty bad. It started to fall over on its side. It's yeah, almost done. That was the second best for a while. Yeah. And then now it's, it's over pretty Over the weekend gnarly, it deflated. Yeah. And then the control, the sort of control, since it has different shapes Actually, cut into it. Actually, at this point, I mean, the control looks gnarly, but it looks the second <laughs> best out of all of them. It yeah, does. Comparatively not bad. Yeah. We also should point out Lair's Vaseline Pumpkin... Do not put a candle in there. Oh, right. <laughs> so right. it is an excellent way to keep your pumpkin preserved, yeah, but not that to totally keep your home. Yeah, would that totally just catch yeah, on Vaseline. fire? Vaseline actually is one way that Boy Scouts and I guess other people who are in survival troops or whatever learn to, to, start, uh, fires. to start fires. Oh, well, there you go. So LED light if you're going to do the Vaseline pumpkin. Yes. yes, yes. But the Vaseline, just since we are the most useful podcast ever, if you want to start a fire, you can take a cotton ball and dip it half in Vaseline and then it will start a fire for you. There you go. Yeah, so Vaseline, surprise winner. Yeah. Nice. Can we throw these out? I hope so. Let's throw more. That's our show, y'all. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Brandcasters, Inc. at www.brandcastingu.com. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. While you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about life hacks of all sorts, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics Magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.